Well, good morning and welcome to Westbridge. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Eli. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome those of you in Mexico for our spring break right now. You guys got a good choice. You made a good choice to get out of here. Good job. I also want to welcome those of you in our parent viewing rooms. Those are great options for those of you who have young kids who you want to keep with you during the service. Well, last week, Jeremiah kicked off a new series called Empty and Filled. And if you missed it, Jeremiah talked about how this Lent season is spring cleaning for the soul. Lent is meant to be a special time of prayer, of fasting, of sacrifice and surrender in preparation for us Christians as it leads to the Easter season. During those 40 days of Lent, we make intentional choices to make room in our hearts to celebrate Jesus on Easter. Now, I've been aware of Lent for a long time, but I did not grow up in a church that participated and practiced Lent. So this is kind of new to me, and so I was pretty excited to hear what we were doing. And I know a lot of you guys left last week and went home, and you lived such disciplined lives that you had a hard time trying to figure out just what you could give up. And I'm proud of you. You're better than me. I had the opposite problem. I went home, and I was like, man, just... I know how many things I need to give up, and can I stick them all for 40 days and go through with it? And so I I struggle with discipline. I struggle sometimes with knowing the right thing to do, but following through with it. And so I I was close to having it once. It's hard to have all those disciplines at one time in your life, but in 2019, the first three quarters of it, I had balance at work, things were going well at marriage and at home with my kids, I was eating well, I was working out, and then, of course, that's when life hits, you know? And you wake up, I woke up in a hospital being told that you'll walk in six weeks, and the weird thing is that didn't really mess with me that much, because I've had enough things happen to me in my life where six weeks of crutching really isn't that big of a deal. And so it didn't phase me. But as that six weeks came and went and turned into six months of caning and crutching and a year of every step hurting, I started to do what a lot of people do and I found comfort in food. And I justified it by saying, when my leg is strong enough, when the pain is gone, when I can work out again, that's when I'll start eating like an adult. And uh, it's not like I didn't have support. My gym knows me well enough to know that I'm an adult child. Excuse me. And they tried to intervene. They dropped off bags of protein powder for me. They had members donate fruits and vegetables. I'm serious. They know me. They're like, this guy will not eat fruits and vegetables unless we drop him off at his door. And so uh, friends also bought me meal subscription. And so I started off strong. But as those days turned to weeks and months and then a year, um, I started making poor decisions. Now, I don't know if you heard about this new study on sugar, but scientists have found that it's delicious. (laughs) It it can't be argued. And what I found was, what I hoped, I think, was if Mountain Dew and Sour Patch Kids could heal broken femurs, I would have been walking in months instead of years. So what happened about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was released from physical therapy. If you ever need to learn how to walk again, I know a guy. He's helped me do it twice now in the last four years. I hope I don't have to introduce you to him, but he's great. But over the last year, every passing month, I've gotten a little stronger, I've gotten a little better, but I never found that balance and discipline that I promised myself I would. So a few weeks ago, Chandler, our youth pastor, and I decided to go out to lunch 
And I think we've already established that you're all better than me, so you're prepared when somebody's getting in your car and you don't know what's going to happen. But for me, there's this like mad dash of cleaning, of grabbing things and cleaning off the seat. And he grabbed my gym bag and threw it in the back seat. And that revealed fast food wrappers and candy wrappers and probably a Mountain Dew or two. And he didn't use his words to shame me, but he did give me this dad look of like, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. And that that was really weird to get from somebody who I'm old enough to be his dad. And so I hear you, Chandler, I will be better. And so for this Lent season, I'm giving up fast food and candy. I've been perfect for four days now. I don't know how I haven't lost my 20 pounds, but um, I know you're saying that's stuff you should already have done, so I hear you. So I'm also doing some social media uh, restrictions, some TV restrictions, and I am intentionally trying to make room for God to move in my life, to grow in discipline in this Lent season that's leading up to Easter. And I cannot wait to celebrate with you all on Easter with a dye-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, grain-free jelly bean, which, <laughs> which I think is just a bean which makes me pretty sad. <laughs> but we're going to do it. Well, this morning, I'm going to be talking about the spiritual discipline of prayer. And you may be noticed, but this world right now is in desperate need of prayer. And I think if we're honest about prayer, we would all say that it's something that we think is very important. It's something we want to do more often. It's something we would love to be better at. For some of us, it's something that we're not very confident in because we're not even sure where to start. And because of that, we only pray in two extremes. When things are really, really good, when you get that good doctor's report or that unexpected financial blessing or things are going well in your marriage, you get that promotion. Or we pray when things are really, really bad, when your relationship is hanging on by a thread, when your finances are a wreck, when you get that bad doctor's report. And there's nothing wrong with praying when things are good and bad. We should pray when things are good and bad. But that shouldn't be the only time that we pray. Prayer is where we can call on and connect with someone who's bigger than ourselves. Prayer is meant to be a moment-by-moment and day-by-day opportunity to connect with God, where we can ask for his strength and his wisdom and ask for help understanding his priorities. For some of us, prayer is an area we would like to grow in in this Lent season, but we don't know how to start. Some of us want our prayer life to grow deeper, and we're going to talk about that a little later this morning. And some of us need to stop making excuses for neglecting to pray. And some of our reasons, they sound legitimate. We might say that, I don't really know how to pray. No one really taught me how to make it feel natural and comfortable. Or you might say, I don't have time to pray. From the moment my smartphone wakes me up in the morning to the moment I lay my smartphone down after scrolling through everyone else's social media feeds. I just don't have any time in my day. You might also say, I don't enjoy it. It's boring. It makes me sleepy. Now, we are in a safe place, and so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions I would appreciate your honesty on. Raise your hand if you pray together before you go to bed. There's like two people. Okay, we can get better. Now raise your hand if you've ever fallen asleep while your spouse prays in bed. It's just me. We're going to talk about 
Thank you. We're going to talk about confession in a couple weeks, and I'm looking for you guys. My wife, her voice is so soothing, and I just am tired, and I'm gone. Some of you might think that prayer doesn't work. In your past, you prayed for something really, really hard. It could be for a loved one who's sick or that broken relationship, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you felt like your prayers didn't even hit the ceiling of your room. Absolutely nothing changed. And because of that, you don't know if prayer makes a difference. And I understand that, and I've wrestled with all those different seasons in my life. But I found that the reasons to pray are much more compelling and transformational than the reasons to not pray. So I'm going to give you this morning three reasons why we should pray. First reason is that prayer is personal. Jesus knew the power of personal prayer. When you look at Jesus' life and the rhythm that he lived in, Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, needed to pray regularly. Luke recorded this in Luke 5, 16. He says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Did you catch that? Did you catch when Jesus would do this? Was it once a year or once a month? No, Luke says often. And when you look at Jesus' three years of ministry, three years that he took to change the world forever, and yet he often took time to get away, to reconnect, to recharge, and to refocus with God. Now, if Jesus had to do that often, how much more important is it for you and I to make sure that we're following his example? The second reason we should pray is that prayer changes me. Prayer brings me closer to God and helps me to gain his perspective. So we pray for strength in places he's leading us. We pray so that we can accomplish the thing God wants us to do. Prayer is an opportunity to connect, to refuel and refocus ourselves with God. It's personal. And more than anything, prayer has the power to change me. Third reason is that Prayer is powerful. Prayer is personal, prayer changes me, and prayer is powerful. Throughout the Bible and throughout history, we see amazing stories of circumstances being one way, and then God's people prayed, and circumstances changed. The Apostle Paul recorded the words of Jesus in John 14, 13. He says, you can ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. Now, some of us think that this verse is a loophole, that we can ask for anything we want and we have to get it because we've trapped God in his own words. But I can tell you that God isn't like, oh, no, they got me again. I guess I have to let the Vikings and Lions tie for another Super Bowl. No, what it means is when you're aligned with God's will and his kingdom, then, of course, he'll answer your prayer. Prayer is not that we always get what we want but it's that we get God. Now, I think you might ask, what about unanswered prayers? You ever pray for something that seemed like it lined up with God's will and God's kingdom? You might think, if there's truly power in prayer, then why are some prayers answered and some prayers are not? And here's the answer, and I spent a lot of time researching it, talking to other pastor friends and mentors, and the reason I found is, I don't know. 
I don't know why some are healed and some are taken way too soon. I don't know why some of the best people I know have battled cancer. If I were God, it would make sense to me that terrorists would get cancer. You're going to hurt innocent people, here's your cancer. Think about what you're doing with your life. What I do know is that we live in a broken world, and that's not God's plan. I also know that Jesus had unanswered prayers. The night that Jesus was put to death, he prayed. It's found in Luke 22:42. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus, knowing what was about to happen, was asking his father, are you sure we've thought of all the scenarios and this is the best route? That doesn't line up with my will and my kingdom. But twice in that short prayer, Jesus said, and he prayed, if you are willing, and he said, if your will be done. Sometimes there's not a shortcut through the storm that we're in. Sometimes the only way out of that storm is to go through it. Sometimes on this side of heaven, we don't get the answers that we want. I don't always understand all the ways of God's, but I know I can trust all of his words. I can trust when he said, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. So you might ask, does that mean God is at work in my cancer, in my divorce, in my addiction, in my brokenness? And I'd say, you bet. God specializes in making beauty from ashes. So we can trust that we are more than just this body, that we are a living soul, and to be absent from this body is to be instantly with our Heavenly Father. We can trust that the loved ones that we have lost, that we'll get to see them again. We can trust that God is working all things for restoration and redemption, and we can trust that he's doing it in his time and not ours. So prayer is powerful. It changes us when our prayers align with God's will and his plan. It can change our circumstances. And if you believe that, I think you'll make time for it and you'll make it a rhythm in your life. So a good place to start would be finding a when and where that works best for you. A lot of people pray while driving. Some of my most desperate and passionate prayers have been while Jeremiah has been driving me somewhere. <laughs> I think he's single-handedly trying to break me of PTSD of the car accident by driving the way he does. So I pray that I get there in one piece. Some people pray while working out. For me, I'm able to pray when I walk in. I'm thankful for another day where I can move and try to get stronger. It means a lot since it was gone for so long. I pray when I walk out because I'm thankful I survived that torture that lasted an hour. But I'll tell you, while training for the Fathers for Fatherless bike ride, I had hours on a bike, sometimes by myself, where I had time to pray. So find a place that works best for you. Now find a time. It could be the first thing you do when you wake up. It could be while you drink your first cup of coffee. Some of you are night owls, like my wife, and you pray and you put me to sleep. I've found that evening walks with my dog or taking him out has been a good time to pray. But what works good for some person might not be the best for you, so find 
a when and a where that works specifically for you. And I know this morning that there are people here that when it comes to prayer, we aren't sure where to start. So we're going to look at what Jesus talked, taught about prayer. Matthew recorded in Matthew 7, 7. He says, Jesus says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, I've never done Greek grammar with you, and that's been intentional. I'm going to need you Greek scholars and English majors maybe to cover your ears here for a second, but what I found with the Greek words of ask, seek, and knock is that they are present, second person, active, imperative. You guys knew that, right? What that means is it's a command at first. He's saying ask and ask and ask. But because it's second person active, it doesn't mean just ask once or just pray once. A decent translation would be ask and ask and keep on asking. Seek and seek and keep on seeking. Knock and knock and keep on knocking. So it's saying don't stop praying no matter what. Pray persistently, desperately, continuously, and purposefully. Jesus told a parable about prayer called the parable of the persistent widow. It's found in Luke 18, verse 1. It starts with, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should pray, always pray and never give up. I found it interesting that Luke started with the point of the parable before Jesus could even tell the story. Usually it's the other way around. Now why do you think Luke did that? It's because some of you have asked and you're yet to receive. Because you've seeked and you have not found. And you've knocked and the door remains shut. And he knows you might want to give up. Jesus continues. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I do not fear God or care about people. He's a great judge. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. How many of you have kids? Oh, you guys know where I'm going with this already. How many of you have made terrible parenting decisions because they've beaten you down with their continual asking? Yes. Oreos for dinner, watch what movie you want, skip bedtime, do what you want, mom and dad need a break. My kids know that if the words, ask me again, come out of my mouth, that it's not actually an invitation to ask again. <laughs> they know it's a threat. That if they keep talking, things are not going to end up how they want them to. Now, is Jesus saying that prayer is like talking to an unjust judge? No. He is contrasting our Heavenly Father with the judge, not comparing he is saying that if by your persistence you can convince someone who doesn't want to help you to help you, how much more will your heavenly father who wants to give his kids good things want to help you? 
And that's how Jesus says we should pray. And our Heavenly Father, he says back to us, he says, come on, wear me out. Ask me again. So what are you praying for? Maybe a better question is, what have you stopped praying for? Healing, marriage, co-worker, your mother-in-law. Hey, Tracy. What if God came to you and he said, okay, the answer to everything you prayed for last week, it's a yes. How would your world be any different? Maybe you'd get out of that speeding ticket. Maybe your kids would have a better day at school. Maybe the food would taste a little better because it was blessed. But Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. That's how you pray. Doesn't mean you're going to receive what you're asking for. Doesn't mean you're going to find what you're looking for. Doesn't mean that the door that you're knocking at is the door that's going to open. But what you really get when you're really asking, when you're really seeking, when you're really knocking, is you're going to find God on the other side of that door. So what kind of God do you think he is? If you see God as judge, you'll always be on the defensive and fearful. And you won't be able to turn off the inner lawyer that's always making the case for why it's not your fault. If you see God as boss, then you'll do hard work to earn his approval. If you see God as a distant cosmic being, then you'll go through religious rituals that lack heart in relationship. If you see God as the old man upstairs, then you'll be on your best behavior when you're at his house. You'll get all dressed up and you'll say things to your kids like, don't run in church. Because apparently God doesn't like running. But when you know him as father, everything changes. 189 times, Jesus used the word father when describing God. Now for some of you, when I say father, that helps. You have a healthy relationship with your dad. You can talk to him about anything. For some of you, that hurts. Because when you think of your earthly father, if you think, if God is anything like my earthly father, then I don't want anything to do with him. You might have never known your father, or he abandoned you. Or when you knocked at his door, he knocked back. And that left you abused and broken. God is not the reflection of your earthly father. But he is the perfection of what it means to be a good dad. I'm going to say that again. God is not the reflection of your earthly father. But he is the perfection of what it means to be a good dad. And good dads never give their kids harmful things. There's a pastor named Tim Keller, and he said this about prayer. The only one who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for water is the king's child. And we have that kind of access. You parents ever wake up, you feel like a demon's watching you? Turns out it's your kid. (laughs) That's terrifying. It's terrifying. Then they ask, hey, Dad, can I get some water? And you're a good dad who gives your kids good things, so of course, what do you say? You say, yes. 
You can definitely have some water. All you have to do is ask your mom. <laughs> She's right over there. Your prayers don't bother God. He doesn't get tired of hearing from you. We're not interrupting him. So when you pray, pray like a little kid going to their dad and ask and ask and keep on asking. Now some of us here this morning, we want to grow in our prayer life and be challenged. And Jesus taught his friends how to pray. He gave the most famous prayer in history, and it's called the Lord's Prayer, or Our Father. And I want to use Jesus' words and his model to help us grow in how we pray today. But before we break it down, I'm going to put the words up on the screen. I would love to read it together and read it loud enough for all the people who are in Mexico right now. They can know that there's people here who love Jesus. Um, But let's do that. Can we read that together? All right, we're going to begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Ooh, the first service, they continued with, thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Which I think is, is great, but also funny that men took Jesus' prayer and were like, we'll make it better. <laughs> we got you, Jesus. You forgot this. Now, there's absolutely nothing, with reciting, nothing wrong with reciting this prayer. We do it often. But this prayer isn't meant to be just repeated. It's meant to be a model or a template that leads us into deeper prayer. So how do we do that with this prayer? I'm going to walk us through five statements this morning. I promise I'll go fast. But when we use this prayer, we start with, we pray with confidence and worship. Verse 9 says, our Father in heaven. And we know already that Jesus was intentional about using the word Father. We start with confidence that our Heavenly Father, he welcomes us. It goes on, hallowed be your name. The very first thing we do with this prayer is we thank him and we worship him. We worship him for who he is, for all the things he's done, for being our Heavenly Father, for inviting us into his presence, for loving us and giving us his grace. It could also be a worship song that's speaking to you in the season you're in. I love the song that Christian and the band sang, Gratitude, what a beautiful song. Worship could be a psalm or a line from your devotions, but whatever you choose, we start with worship and thanks. We go on to pray with peace and we seek God's priorities. That's why Jesus said in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can pray with peace when we pray and we can be confident that God is working his kingdom and his purposes. He is always working. And because of that, we can put his will over our will. We can go on by praying through the roles and responsibilities in our life. We can pray for his will to be done in me. We can ask him to align my life with his priorities. We can pray through our family and we can name them by name. We can pray for this church and this community. We can pray for our city, 
in our state, in this nation, in this world. I love that Jeremiah took time last week to pray for peace in this world because we need it. We know that there's peace when we align ourselves with God's priority and we trust his pace. We can also pray with faith for what you need. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. This is where we pray through all the things that have been occupying our minds. That for the things we need, for the things our loved ones need, we can pray that he gives us what we need today. Help, provision, healing. We can pray for the needs and we can know and trust with faith that he's already at work in it. We can also pray with humility and confession. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts. I find it interesting that it starts with us. I think often we look at what everyone else is doing, whatever else is wrong with everybody else, and we don't look at ourselves. But Jesus says it starts with us. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sin. We need to own our sin and confess it. And just know that whatever you're going to say to God, just know that he's not like, what in my name did you do? He already knows. You're not going to surprise him. The verse goes on, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we ask God to forgive our debts, our sins, and then to teach us to be forgivers. What we are doing is releasing our hurts and harms that others have done to us the same way God releases the hurts and the harms that we have done to him. Finally, we pray for openness for God's power. That's why Jesus ended the prayer with this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God always promises us a way out of temptation, but it doesn't come through our strength or our power. It comes when we are tapped in to his strength and his power. And so we pray for his spirit to be strong in us. And this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. Now remember, Jesus often withdrew to lonely, quiet places to pray. Remember, prayer is an opportunity to connect, to refuel, and refocus ourselves with God. So here's my question for you this week. What is your next right step when it comes to prayer? Maybe it's just to find a when and a where and talk to your Heavenly Father. Maybe it's take a few minutes and pray through the Lord's Prayer template. Whatever your next step is, I ask you to take some time this week to pray. My four-year-old girl, my youngest, her name's Everly Joy. She lets me call her Princess EJ, and I'm the only one, so you don't get to do it. But she is a mini version of me. I'll beat you to it. Not looks-wise. She's pretty like my, my wife. But her attitude, her heart, her will, her blind rage when she doesn't get what she wants, that's all from me. Now, she does this thing when she wants to talk to me, where she comes up to me and says, Dad, our hearts need to talk. 
I'm, I'm aware that there's an element of hustle here, but I pick her up and I hold her heart to heart and she starts talking. And this girl can talk. She gets that from her mom too. <laughs> and you know, I've never picked her up and said, hey, you're using the wrong words or you're bothering me or you're interrupting me. I've never said that. And yet I think we think that's what God does. If we don't come with the perfect words, if we don't say the right things, he turns us away and says, nah, today we're not gonna talk because you're doing it wrong. We're just like me, all God wants. I just wanna be heart to heart with my kid. So when we can start to see God as our heavenly father, then all of us would know how to pray because every kid knows how to ask their dad for what they want. So let's not just pray when things are really good or pray when things are really bad, but let's pray like our heavenly father wants us to. And again, he's saying, come on, ask me again. Try to wear me out. So let's give God a little more space and a little more time in this Lent season leading up to Easter. Let's make some more room and some more time for God in our lives. Now some of you in this room, you might not know God as your Heavenly Father. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And you can do so just by following along with this simple prayer with me. Father, please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me for the times I've walked away from you. I admit that I'm broken and that I need you. I want to say yes to your invitation. I know that you're a good father who wants good things for me. Please adopt me into your family. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. Help me to trust and follow you. God, for the rest of us this morning who, who want to grow some way in our prayer life, I ask for you to give us the strength, the discipline, and the courage to follow through with this. We thank you for who you are and all you've done. We ask this in your name. Amen.